From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for today, with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Roach, who I was pleased to see last week in person when I was down in the LPL offices in Fort Mill, South Carolina. How are you today, Jeff? Thanks for joining. Yes, doing very well, and it was fantastic having the full team back together in person. It, it was indeed. Great, great trip. Uh, so um, we got a action-packed show for you this week. We've got a lot to get through. There's just so much going on. I feel like we could do two hours of this um, if we wanted to. So here's the agenda. Um, recap last week. Really interesting how well stocks held up uh, despite the backup in rates at the end of the week. Uh, next, we'll um, we'll do uh, As Goes January, So Goes the Year, which is our weekly market commentary on the January barometer. Market implications of that booming jobs report next. Uh, quick update on earnings. Uh, the story did change last week with the big techs uh, reporting, and it got quite a bit better, uh, actually. And then we'll end with, of course, a preview of the week ahead, as we always do. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on on the economic calendar, so that preview will be brief. Uh, it is uh, right around lunchtime, Monday, February 5th, 2024, as we are recording this. So um, let's get into it. So start with the question, is good news good news? I think last week um, it was, at least late in the week. Uh, S&P 500 up 1.4% for the week. We had a pretty big backup in rates on Friday, and yet the positive of more jobs being created and the strong earnings in particular from Meta uh, really overpowered that concern about uh, about the backup in rates and, and stocks just went higher. We're now up 13 out of 14 weeks on the S&P 500. Uh, that covers a period where uh, the index has been up 20% plus. So really, really nice rally since late October. Uh, the winners last week really were where you see mega cap tech, consumer discretionary, where Amazon is, big um, reaction, positive reaction to their earnings. Uh, communication services, a solid week. That, of course, is where uh, Meta is. Uh, pretty good um, week for uh, industrials, too, actually had some pretty strong earnings out of the um, industrials sector. Uh, LPR Research continues to like comm services and energy. Energy. Um, frankly, we still think uh, oil is going to find its footing here pretty soon, uh, but last week was not that week. Uh, you'll see on the next slide, we had oil down 7%. That weighed on the um, the energy sector, which is about flat year to date. Uh, it's really been a year where growth has led, uh, on strongly outperforming value, and the U.S. has led. We say it a lot. When U.S. growth does well, it's very hard for the rest of the world to keep up. Uh, we have seen really strong performance out of Japan. That's a common theme, uh, up about 8% year-to-date. Um, but the rest of the world really struggling to keep up with the U.S. Turning to the bond market, this is where the surprise is, Jeff. And I want your thoughts here on this: the, the move in rates. If, if you'd asked me after Friday, what did the bond market do last week? I would have said, well, it's you know, flat to, to down. But when you actually look at the numbers, rates came down so so much early in the week, you know, driving bond market gains, that the bond market was still up last week despite the huge losses on Friday. 
actually th those losses are continuing uh, this morning. So, um, you know, we're right back where we started, you know, in the sort of 4-1, 4-2 range. Jeff, do you think that reaction in rates was was logical and is good news actually good news now? Yeah, so I, I do love that phrase, uh, the good news is actually good news. Uh, we actually talked about that in uh, in my my quick commentary right after the Friday morning report. And that was just because in, in previous months, we've had this period where good news was bad news, meaning you had good economic data, a snapshot on decent activity, wherever it was in the in the business sector. And it was investors were saying, hey, that's bad news. Why? Because strong economic growth means that the Fed's not going to be cutting rates anytime soon. In this in this case, it, it was interesting because I think investors kind of moved beyond that really simple narrative and said to you know, as they were working through it, it's going to be choppy. We know that it's a little bit of uncertainty on the timing of rate cuts, but it still hasn't changed the narrative for 2024. Rates will go down in 2024. It's a timing thing. So, Jeff, when you're thinking about last week, you know, a lot of that volatility began during the press conference. In fact, uh, we were all, uh, you know, kind of joking about the the uh, the gyrations and yields during that press conference. So in the course of just, you know, uh, every kind of 10 minute uh, segment there was there was a reversal, uh, whether to the upside or to the downside in, in rates, and I think it just suggests, uh, you know, rates rates are still trying to find its footing. Uh, the volatility began during the uh, the press conference midweek, and so a lot of that volatility is kind of sh shook out, uh, even though we had a uh, very very strong uh, labor report. We can talk more about the uh, labor report later on in the podcast. Yeah, and certainly that backup in rates continued over the weekend with Powell's 60 Minutes, right? Who, um, which was a little more hawkish than maybe the market wanted to hear. Uh, nonetheless, again, good week for bonds uh, last week. I think the the Treasury refunding announcements also helping. You know, a little less Treasury issuance Treasury issuance than the market expected, and that of course um, kept yields lower at least through midweek. Uh, so um, uh, I guess last thing on that is as the market unwinds the Fed rate cut expectations, that tends to put upward pressure on the dollar. Hasn't mattered for the stock market. Stock market's been going up anyway, but that does tighten uh, financial conditions uh, just a bit and is something we'll have to watch. Um, here's a chart of the S&P in the weekly market commentary this week on, on LPL.com. We talk about the January barometer, which we'll get to in a minute, but we also provide some technical analysis insights uh, on the on the S&P with the help of Adam Turnquist, our chief technical strategist. And he makes the point that, uh, you know, because of how far we've come in a short period of time, we're a little overbought, probably due for consolidation. Plus, the breadth has not been great in just, you know, the past um, few weeks or so. In fact, I think last week, the advanced decline line went down. So we had more decliners than than gainers. Uh, that's not, um, you know, a strong underpinning for a um, a short-term move higher. So probably need to take a little bit of a breather uh, here um, fairly soon. So let's get into the January barometer. In the weekly, we comment on how likely this holds. And, uh, you know, frankly, when, when you look at all the data, you know, not just seasonality data, but really the whole setup, 
We actually think it's more likely than not um, that stocks go higher between now and the end of the year and that the January barometer works, but it's probably going to be pretty bumpy, you know, in part because the economy is probably going to slow. That helps inflation, but it doesn't certainly doesn't help uh, the earnings outlook. And uh, you have high valuations, right? The equity risk premium is pretty much zero. So stocks aren't really giving you enough earnings to get you excited about owning equities versus fixed income. So we, you know, there are a number of other challenges, geopolitical, the election, et cetera, but um, we still think the odds favor this working. So um, when January is higher as, as it was this year, on average for the year, you're up almost 17%. If you're down in January, on average, you're down about two. If you just isolate the February to December period, you're still up about 12 on average and up something like 89% of the time. So we're very likely uh, to see stocks higher this year, probably nicely higher this year, although we've already got you know 4% uh, year to date. So we, we think this probably works, but maybe stocks don't go up in a, in a straight line. Hmm. Let's move on to the jobs report a little more on this, Jeff. I mean, it was it was shocking to me <laughs> that uh, uh, that we created so many jobs, uh, you know, 350 plus, um, you know, heading into, I guess, November, we were starting to see this sort of gradual decline, right? And then we get hit with these two boomers in a row. So I guess the question I would have is, is, is what's going on? Are these one-offs or, or are we going to get right back to the the gradual, you know, slowing, slowing trend in in job creation here. Uh, yeah, it's a month or two. Yeah, it's it's all about your time frame. So you know, we talked about just just a few minutes ago about you know the timing of rate cuts versus you know by the end of the year. You referenced just moments ago in terms of uh, equities, equity performance. You know, something maybe you know near term versus long term. I think in the same in the same vein, you look at the job. Re- Reports, uh, on a month-to-month basis, pretty volatile. Uh, but what what I also like to do to to augment the analysis on these monthly reports is to say, okay, let's look at the year-over-year changes in the non-seasonally adjusted numbers. So, it would, just to step back here, when you when you government publishes these month-on-month job gains, they do their own adjustment, seasonal adjustment, because of factors, and, and it's really basic. I mean, I you know when I was was teaching undergrad uh, economics, you know it's it's pretty basic, right? You're not going to hire painters uh, when it's freezing overnight. Uh, there's a seasonality to uh, a number of sectors of the economy, so you seasonally adjust the numbers. That's fine. Well, what's really nice is to say, well, let's take a step back. You look at just the year over year changes in the non seasonally adjusted. So you just say, okay, where was it relative to the previous year at the same point in time to adjust for seasonality? And it's still very, very convincing to to keep that narrative of a slowing job market, slowing in hiring. And what's nice about it is the deceleration is very measured. There's no there's no shocks yet, right? You think about in previous cycles, it's not it's it's not uncommon. I think about pre-pandemic even, not uncommon to have negative prints, you know, on a Friday morning. Of course, that makes for exciting days for those of us that were on the trading floor of uh, various institutions. You know, you get this surprise print and uh, things really go choppy. 
I think in in this case where we sit here, beginning of 2024, I think you can you can say that the 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 pace of hiring is still slowing, uh, and you can see it in the year over year non seasonally adjusted numbers. Just that plain, uh, you know, plain vanilla, if if you will. But what's I think really fascinating is the kind of momentum you saw in 2023 that did not show up in the uh, initially printed report. So, uh, Jeff, I don't know if it's the next slide or not, but I have a a, a picture of the revisions and the impacts on that. So uh, let's 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 look at let's think about this this revision uh, story. So uh, this chart's pretty straightforward. You're basically just saying, OK, every uh, every cycle, as more and more information comes in, there are benchmark revisions. Uh, there are, of course, revisions happening on shorter time periods. But on Friday, didn't catch a lot of uh, reporters' attentions. But I think uh, attention. But I think it's very, very important to think about that momentum going into 2024. And that is, on Friday, the government reported revisions to 2023. So I show prior to the revision in the orange. Uh, post revision in the dark blue. And you can see most of the months were revised up, meaning 2023 had stronger momentum than originally reported. Uh, and so what that means, I think, is and it, very practically, is it pushes out the the slowdown narrative. It pushes that out a little bit later, kind of like what we just said on rate cuts. Well, with strong numbers like this, it pushes out the timing of that first rate cut. Uh, so it, it was uh, it's it's pretty impressive. You're thinking about you know where where we are in 2023. Granted, the reopenings uh, in our economy had very very strong numbers, and then 2022, you know, partial reopenings. 2023 was a was a strong year. A very, very important to track these revisions. Tells us a lot, helps us a lot in terms of forecasting capabilities. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, I think the markets maybe lost sight of how much fiscal stimulus is still coming through the system. So that's certainly part of this. It's not just that people had a pile of money a couple of years ago and they haven't quite, you know, spent it all yet. It's also the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, for example. That I think this is the peak year of uh, investment for that uh, stimulus package the past couple of years ago and <clears throat> certainly is helping support jobs in certain parts of the economy. If we get this tax deal that's working its way through Congress now, and that's, you know, not maybe not even a coin flip, it's got a hard road ahead. But if we can get something done in the next couple of months in Congress, you're going to get even more stimulus. So maybe that even pushes uh, the job uh, slowdown out even further. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, to think about how 2023 was a unique year in that wages were actually adjusted for inflation. Wages were pretty solid, right? So remember, uh, a few years ago, inflation was running so hot, uh, wage growth wasn't even keeping up. Uh, but now you have strong hirings in 2023 and strong wages. It's no doubt that the economy is still humming. Uh, so, yeah, key takeaway here is uh, the the momentum uh, going into 2024 is a little bit stronger uh, than what we originally saw with the first uh, printed numbers, which certainly is, is a, again, a call for uh, active management, looking for opportunities. There will be opportunities. 
uh, not equally across all sectors, which actually is a, is a good kind of complement to the story that you mentioned earlier, uh, Jeff, about the MAG-7. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, Jeff, but I, I love uh, when you when you sometimes talk about the S&P 493, <laughs> which, which might throw our listeners off a little bit, right? So you think about the MAG-7, hey, we'll take out those seven and uh, track the performance of uh, the remaining, it's not the S&P 500 anymore. Uh, I love I love that because it really does uh, tell you a story about where there are opportunities in some areas, uh, not uh, as as attractive in other opportunities. I think that's the, that's the key and key takeaway from uh, the even the jobs report and what it means for investing. So going back to the labor market, I think before you talk about layoffs here, have this graph from. Uh, an HR firm called Challenger Gray and Christmas. I love saying that. They've been around a very long time, uh, been tracking uh, data trends for a very long time. Very helpful. Uh, started uh, tracking this many decades ago. And the, the point here is, I think the labor market is the key to understanding Fed policy for 2024. Uh, as, as the labor market goes, so goes uh, expectations for for Fed policy. Uh, key takeaway here, it's pretty straightforward. Look at that orange. Orange is the dominant color, meaning firms were predominantly announcing layoffs, talking about layoffs because of cost cutting, not necessarily because of a slowdown in demand. That's why I, I, I broke that out between those two reasons for why there's layoffs. So it's something to keep watching. Uh, certainly, we've, we've heard a lot of layoffs, uh, some in the financial services sector, uh, banking, uh, tech sector, uh, and that's certainly something to keep uh, our eye on, again, as a leading indicator for what the job market might look like this year. Yeah, it's, it's always uncomfortable to see a headline about job cuts and then watch the stock rally on that news, but that's generally what happens because you support margins, you're more profitable, yes. more earnings coming through. And we know that tech got bloated a couple of years ago, so there's probably still a little bit of excess to uh, to uh, to trim down from uh, from from that. So good for profitability, good for margins. But of course, uh, you don't want anybody to lose their job. Um, he, here's this is really interesting, Jeff, that that you put in here, which is the ratio of part timers to full timers. Uh, you know, it makes sense that if a company's worried about the future, they would hire more part timers, right? Because it's not as much of a long term commitment. But I'm hearing. You know, a lot of folks are labor hoarding, right? Like, <laughs> if you, uh, you you would think that you would, um, if you're hoarding labor, you that implies you have a shortage of it and you need more, and then maybe you would just go ahead and hire people full time. So help help me sort all that out. Yeah, well, maybe we're getting past that. Uh, you know, inefficiencies in the labor market in terms of hiring and, and firing and, and moving around. So it, it's almost as if to say. Well, maybe firms are saying, I, I want to have, I want to keep the relationship going with you, but uh, maybe uh, not steadily dating. We just kind of go out once in a while. Maybe that's the analogy between uh, full, full-timers and part-timers. And, and again, uh, you look at this graph, the shaded areas, the, the recession, 2020. And uh, what I think is very important as you look at the data is uh, it's relevant to see where we are currently relative to pre-pandemic uh, when the world was uh, somewhat normal. And uh, I think that's where that's where it's somewhat uh, 
confusing. I think maybe maybe that's kind of the word. Uh, firms are maybe even a little bit confused on what uh, the labor market might hold uh, and growth might look like in 2024. Hence, you're looking at the ratio of part-timers being even a little bit above where we were in 2019, uh, suggesting a little bit of uncertainty from a, from a hiring perspective. Yeah, th this could be like one of those false signals, like the yield curve has been thus far. Uh, and there are a number of other false signals. You remember how how much conviction a lot of really smart people had that we were going into recession in 2022 or 2023, and we never got it. Um, although in 2022, we got two straight quarters of contracting GDP. But my, my point here is if you you know prepare for uh, a downturn and it doesn't come, maybe you're you're still getting into the mode of not committing long-term investment, right? Not committing to that five-year time horizon to build a factory, not hiring people full-time because there's a level of commitment uh, involved in that. Maybe that's just been ingrained in companies over the past yeah. few years as they continue to wait and wait and wait for a downturn that just has not come. Yeah, well, it's it's been asynchronous too. You think about the the different sectors of the economy that had experienced a recession. Think housing, for example. Great point. Uh, and then, of course, you know, think from a market standpoint and the earnings recession. We've talked about that at LPL Research. So it's almost as if we saw. All right, we, we've had kind of all these different experiences, and, and it wasn't. Uh, coordinated to have all happen at the same time, meaning you had somewhat of this rolling recession, um, you know, opportunities in, in some areas and, and places to avoid. You know, I, I think the key takeaway here is you say, well, what business owner would say cost cutting is not helpful? Uh, and, and that's where, you know, perhaps part of the reason we got out of the earnings recession is uh, in 2024, looks pretty decent. You'll talk about uh, 2024 earnings, I think, in a little bit. Uh, on this podcast, think about the the the, uh, the value of rethinking your your uh, your your balance sheet, uh, the amount of money you want to spend on labor, right? Because that's typically uh, your most expensive line item, uh, labor costs, and certainly cost cutting uh, is is often uh, something that a head of business wants to do all the time. And so, going into twenty twenty four, we're kind of like the the momentum of the labor market. Uh, we're on a decent footing heading into uh, 2024. And when we do eventually get that contraction, and we think it'll probably be mild and short, but when it comes, companies will be well prepared for it, uh, coming into it pretty lean. Uh, so thanks for that, Jeff. Um, you segued to earnings, so let's let's get into that. And this is actually really, um, really interesting. So it's a big week. We were you know tracking to basically down 1%. Now we're tracking to up 1% after all these big tech results and i actually pulled all these earnings growth rates because i think they're they're important to highlight the fact that while everybody talks about the market's narrow it's only you know six stocks working they're too expensive we get all that um but when you look at these earnings growth rates from q4 <laughs> it really makes you wonder uh if they are expensive so um alphabet plus 50 percent amazon coming off a low base plus 3,200 plus percent. Apple, Apple was supposedly the one that was really struggling with, you know, weak iPhone demand coming out of China and what have you, up 13%, not bad. Uh, Meta, up 200%, 198 to be exact. 
That was the big winner on on uh, Friday, up twenty percent. Microsoft up twenty six percent. Nvidia doesn't report for another couple of weeks, but they're expected to grow earnings four hundred and ten percent. Okay, Tesla down forty. So there's the exception. Um, you know, you average all that out. It's it's a lot of dispersion, but average it out. It's about up. I don't know. 50 something. Um, that's really, really strong earnings growth. If you if you take those companies out of the SP, you're down about seven, eight points <laughs> of earnings year over year. So essentially there's no earnings growth in the 493 that Jeff likes. Uh, all the earnings growth essentially, and then some is coming from these big tech names. Um, it maybe it's a little easier to just take out the financials, healthcare, and energy. Those are the three biggest drags. And then you're up double digits, right? Just these six names are, are about nine points of S&P 500 earnings growth. So I know I threw a lot of numbers out there, but uh, you cannot overstate how big of a driver of earnings these names have been. Now, um, that's just a quarter. If you look out uh, for the full year, you know, the S&P based on current consensus is expected to grow earnings about 11 and this group uh, closer to 20. So of course, twice the earnings growth this year should be worth a lot more in terms of a price to earnings multiple. And it is these, these stocks are third, you know, depending on how you do the math, the, the mag seven is trading at something like 38 times earnings uh, versus the S and P um, a little over 20. So yes, more expensive, but I think it's really easy to make the case that it's it's justified. So anyway, we went from kind of a messy start to earnings season, not a great start to now halfway through in terms of the number of companies and the numbers look great. Um, so Jeff, in, in sort of seeing headlines from earnings and you know thinking about it through your economist lens and anything jump out to you? Well, I, I think one thing too, for our listeners to, to remind folks, we are still in a very unusual uh, time period, right? So, uh, Jeff, you know, both of us know we've been in the business long enough. You hate to say this time is different. <laughs> but when you think about the growth in some of these firms, the, the percentage growth, uh, you think, okay, well, a lot of this is one off. You didn't mention on the podcast here, but you've I've talked about this in our stack meetings. Uh, about financials, right? The hit that they had, but again, this is not ongoing. So, in terms of these percentages that you threw out uh, just a moment ago, you know, the, these are quite unusual, uh, and you know, you don't see those numbers all all the time, right? Two hundred percent here, there, and down forty percent here. <laughs> they, they're coming off such low bases, or they're having such unusual one-off events. I think that's really important for the end investor to understand. Uh, these are still really uh, unusual gyrations. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, th these are strong, strong earnings numbers out of these companies. They're very well positioned. There's a lot of levers they can pull to create shareholder value. So we think uh, that it still makes sense to lean growth and to, um, you know, if, you know, you got to pick and choose if you're doing individual equities, but as a group, you know, tech and the sort of tech adjacent areas of communications uh, and uh, e-commerce. Uh, we we think those areas look look quite good here. Um, the estimates have held up pretty well too, a little bit better than they normally do. So we still think earnings for the S and P can grow somewhere around eight percent in in twenty twenty four, and that's really we think where the returns 
for the stock market are going to come from. So um, with that, let's go to preview of the week ahead. This will be quick. Um, it's kind of nice, actually, Jeff. Normally, we're you know racing to get through all these things that are coming. Uh, normally, we have a hard time deciding what to highlight, <laughs> right? I added one, the senior loan officer survey is always interesting. So I, I highlighted yes. that uh, here um, after my initial run at this. Services, uh, ISM services we just got this morning was was quite strong. By the way, the ISM manufacturing surveys last week were really strong. The, the prices paid was too strong, Jeff, as you told me, but the manufacturing activity looked pretty good. So I think what what we're seeing here is a uh, economy that's still on good footing, uh, even as um, you know we get into January, which <laughs> frankly, I thought the bad weather in January was supposed to slow this economy down. Yeah, the ISM prices paid component, one of the items there, uh, about the one, two, three, fourth of one down from the top, uh, was really strong, mostly due to the the disruptions in shipping, you know, Red Sea uh, challenges, geopolitical challenges uh, that certainly uh, pushed up costs for shipping uh, that did show up in the January numbers. So that's something that that you'll hear about. The senior loan officer opinion survey that that comes out uh, a little bit later in the day, and that's that's interesting because it really helps investors look at what what lenders are doing in their uh, their tightening or loosening lending standards. Meaning, you know how how easy is it for businesses and individuals to get access to credit? That's certainly a, a key part, a key driver for the economy. So that's that's a very very important leading indicator. Uh, things and then of course uh, you know I won't highlight uh, everything on this page, but I, I think it's an opportunity to uh, for investors to spend some time thinking globally. Think about the Bank of Japan made some interesting news uh, today on buying bonds, still doing some quantitative easing. One of the uh, the outliers in terms of what other central banks are doing. So uh, the the fact that the U.S. economic calendar is a little sparse perhaps uh, gives us opportunity to talk. Uh, international. So uh, besides that, um, put that you can see on the very, very bottom of the slide is revisions to CPI I highlighted the importance of tracking revisions as it relates to the job market earlier in the podcast. Uh, I'll also put a, a tip of the hat here toward thinking about what uh, CPI revisions might look like. Clearly something that the markets might uh, focus on. Yeah, absolutely. So inflation has come down generally, uh, as we all know, in, in recent months, but we had a little bit of an uptick. So I think the markets, as, as rates move up, markets are a little bit more on edge about the inflation trend. So that means you're going to see more attention on these sub-indexes uh, from the ISM. You're going to see more attention on CPI revisions, more attention on jobless claims, uh, potentially as well. Um, yeah, we're not near 5% on the 10-year, but we've gone from like 3.8 to 4.2 pretty fast, right? So um, that is going to have to be uh, going to get investors' attention a little bit more. Um, I just pulled up the uh, the ISM numbers because I didn't run them on the slide. And, and the, um, the headline services index was supposed to come in at 52. It was 53.4. But that prices paid index was supposed to come in at you know, around 57, it was at 64. So much stronger um, than expected. The employment number was a little stronger than expected. And the 
new orders uh, number a little bit stronger uh, than expected as well. So, um, so yeah, this, you know, we know we got an above, um, kind of above trend earnings or um, GDP number in Q3 and Q4. Might do the same in Q1. At least it's off to um, off to a good start. So, um, yeah, that's it for me. I'm glad you um, you highlighted though, Jeff, the the Japan thing because it's really interesting. You know, I guess they didn't want rates to get too high in the short term before they actually figure out how to get out of this zero rate environment or negative rate environment. Um, it most folks, I think now, and they've signaled this, think that something's going to happen this spring where they're going to have to make a move to get off of this or start the process of getting off of this kind of zero bound. Um, so that's what makes this a little surprising. Uh, the end continues to weaken um, and and they're, <laughs> they're buying bonds while everybody else is selling them. Uh, they're not raising rates while everyone else, uh, or they're about to raise rates while everyone else is cutting. It's just a very different uh, monetary cycle. So continue to like Japan as an investment, even though we're not particularly excited about IFA, you know, the broad MSCI IFA uh, environment uh, at the moment. They, they've certainly been, uh, the Bank of Japan has certainly been working on prepping markets for a slight policy shift. And I think, you know, one thing that this activity does uh, in the last uh, 24 hours is to say, just to remind investors, yes, we are preparing for a policy shift, but not yet. <laughs> Hold your horses. Uh, and so, you know, Bank of Japan coming in to make sure uh, short-term yields don't pop uh, too high. Uh, it, I think partially saying, hey, look at what happened in the U.S. We don't want that to happen uh, here. And so... Uh, policymakers started uh, doing a little more easing, but they certainly are bucking the trend. Uh, but you're right. I think at this point, there's been enough um, data to support a shift in policy, as well as conversations from uh, the new head of the Bank of Japan. So uh, still a little bit of, of volatility there. But yes, overall, if you want to inter invest internationally, um, our internal research asset allocation committee certainly looking at some uh, attractive numbers coming out of Japan. Absolutely. Yeah, we should have defined stack when you mentioned it. Strategic and Tactical right. Asset Allocation Committee. So that's our weekly asset allocation meeting. A uh, couple other things on the week ahead calendar. 104 S&P 500 earnings reports. Um, we got some this morning. And uh, actually, we're starting to see some companies cite impact of the violence in the Middle East. Uh, as a drag. I think we heard that from McDonald's and Starbucks. So, you know, that'll be a theme uh, throughout, but probably not enough to, um, you know, meaningfully impair S&P 500 profits. Uh, but that is a narrative. And, um, you know, generally, we're just going to look for continuation of these trends. Pretty strong uh, performance from uh, tech companies, pretty strong performance from uh, industrial companies so far. So, um and then beyond that, it's Super Bowl week. So thrilled to have the team I root for in there. I'm sure many of you don't care, but uh, <laughs> that'll be uh, kind of the first wave of the big ad spend blitz. Maybe that can help the communication services sector, given what companies are paying for Super Bowl ads. And then the next Super or the next ad spending blitz will be the election, <laughs> which is already getting started. So a uh, pretty good environment for digital advertising, which which is part of this whole you know big tech. Uh, area and the mag seven uh, as well so keep keep that in mind it's not just all about uh, artificial intelligence 
So um, with that, let's go ahead and wrap. So thank you uh, so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of LPL Market Signals. Thank you, Jeff, for for joining. Uh, appreciate your insights on the job market. The job market is so important for where this economy goes and where where markets go and what the Fed is going to do uh, and all of that. So thanks for your insights. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, we'll talk to you next week uh, and uh, maybe do a little bit of, you know, Super Bowl recap. We'll We'll see. If the Chiefs lose, I won't want to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> hopefully they won't. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.